Hola, hola. It's your girl, Erica, from America. Welcome to the Confidence Chronicles podcast. This podcast is all about helping you stand in who you are. Stop giving a fuck what people think about you. Start standing as your fully expressed self. As you are, as is, there is no filter needed. You are fucking awesome, and I am here to remind you. I'm a confidence coach, and I'm a bold stand for confidence, and I cannot wait to dig into today's episode with you. Hello, my love. I am so excited to bring you today's special guest, Lee. She runs an incredibly important podcast and message, and she is someone who I believe needs to be listened to by millions of people around the world. When I first heard a message about how doing good can be a problem and how doing good can be bad, I couldn't wrap my head around it. I thought, what? What are you talking about? Doing good is bad. And as you will hear in this episode, so many of us have a beautiful heart and soul and we want to help and we want to do good, but we don't realize that the good that we're doing can actually cause harm and be more harmful and be bad. So please, please enjoy this episode with the gorgeously. We've popped everything in the show notes so that you can reach out to her if you want to work with her, find out more about her cause and what she's doing and creating in the world. And of course, listen, subscribe and review her incredible podcast, The Good Problem. I can't wait for you to listen. Let me know what you think about this episode. It was mind blowing for me and so deeply important. Please enjoy. So I'm very excited to introduce you, Lee. I'm so happy that you're here. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. Finally happening. Um, literally, this has been a, a long time coming. I was so grateful enough to be on your podcast. I'm so happy we had such a great, great chat. And for those that haven't listened, I will link it in the show notes so you can go and check it out. Tell everybody that's listening here, you know, about your podcast and I guess the work that you're doing before we get into it. Yeah. So I run a podcast called The Good Problem. Uh, and really it's about getting curious about why we do good and how we do good. And a big part of it is about what can go wrong when we do good and how we fail and the lessons that we learn from those failures. Um, and I guess, you know, the reason for wanting to explore all of that is really about, you know, throughout my career, seeing a lot of good intentions and a lot of really harmful outcomes and, and kind of wanting to understand that on a deeper level myself so I could both improve my own practice and my own work, but also help other people. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it was so shocking to me to, to understand that when we started talking because I didn't get it. And I remember, um, one of the, one of the topics that you had mentioned was about when people go overseas to countries like Africa or India or on mission trips, um, and how it can do more damage. And I was kind of like mouth open, like, what, what are you talking about? And, it's such an interesting start to this because for those of you out there listening, hopefully you, you feel the same. You're like, Oh, what do you mean? That, that can't do any damage. Like you're a good person. You're out there doing good stuff. And, 
And can you talk to that 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 um, example? Because I think it's so understandable to all people, because that's some area that we've always seen on television that we should go to these countries and do this work. Yeah, look, really happy to talk about that. It's been a big part of my life and, and is still a big part of my work. Um, and I've particularly done a lot of work in what we call volunteerism. So exactly what you just described, going overseas, having a bit of a holiday, but also volunteering. Um, and a lot of that volunteering is done in orphanages or children's homes or um, schools and, uh, And most people think that, you know, wow, I'm privileged enough to be able to have the money to go on a holiday to one of these countries. Therefore, I should give back. Mm. And that sounds, you know, on face, at face value, it sounds like a good idea. It mm. sounds like, yes, that, that's something good I can do to contribute to the community that I'm going into. And you have a system that's set up to facilitate that for you. So you can literally go online and go, ah, oh, I want to go to Cambodia and I want to go in July mm. and I've got two weeks and I can go on a website and I can click Cambodia, July orphanage and I can pay. And there you go. I've booked my volunteering trip. Um, and it's as simple as that. And it really doesn't require much more thought and, it's been made very easy for us to do that. And the shiny marketing materials tell us and affirm to us, yes, you're doing good. This is something good. Mm. And the other side of that is that actually, if we're going to talk about orphanages, orphanages are an industry and children are bought and sold and leased and trafficked into orphanages to fill the orphanages so that you and I can go and have our volunteering experience. Um, yeah. yeah. It's heavy, isn't it? It's like when you hear about it and you think you're doing some good and you see this and then what you don't know. Yeah, yeah. And look, it's not it's not our fault that we don't know. You know, we, we are genuinely trying to do something helpful. We want to support those kids we're also playing into this narrative or this myth that there are millions and millions of orphans out there that are, you know, really yearning for our love and care and that we can support them, even if it's only for a few days or a week or a few hours even. But the reality of that is that about nine, between 80 and 90% of kids in orphanages are not orphans. They have one or more living parents to take care of them. And, and those people would want to take care of them. They just don't have the financial resources too. Um, and so you going in and helping is actually keeping them separated from their families for longer because you're bringing money into that mm. orphanage, into that system. And this is all under the surface. We don't, it's not there. It's not accessible in an easy way unless you go and look for it. Wow. So I have a millzillion questions that I'm sure listeners are like, oh, what about this? What about this? But before we get into those, how did you get into this world? Because I know also you, you and I have a chat that we haven't had offline about connecting with the right organizations and your business supporting the right people. And what do you call that social 
Uh, social purpose. I, yeah. I, yeah. So linking your business, your personal and your business values with causes. Um, yeah. And this isn't social media, right? It's not the internet. This is social, like actual creating connections with the right businesses so that you're donating to the right things and you're in values. Um, and that's a chat like that I do want to talk about as well. But how did you get into the world of, you know, some people may be listening going, how do you even know this? And how what, where did you start or where was your journey that brought you into having this this knowledge and obviously birthing this important podcast that you run? Yeah, look, um, I was a volunteerist. I was one of those people. Um, I was, you know, in my late teens and early 20s, I was just desperate to get out of Australia. Just pretty, you know, pretty... I say directionless, really just like working in bars and not really feeling much about anything, to be honest. And um, all I wanted to do was go overseas. And I did that. And I was away for almost two years um, in, in lots of different places. But I thought on my way back home, when I finally decided it was time to come home, that I would go and do some volunteer work. Um, and that was something that I'd planned to do in Cambodia. But before I arrived in Cambodia, I traveled through Vietnam and I ended up in a tiny little town and some people might know it. It's called Hoi An uh, in central Vietnam. And I, it, this was wow, almost, over 15 years ago and there weren't a lot of tourists traveling independently back then in Vietnam. And so I was in this kind of backpackers hostel and I was sitting in a, a communal area and I saw a poster on the wall and it said, come and volunteer at this orphanage. And I looked at it and I was like, oh, okay. And then I talked to some other backpackers that were in the room with me and they were like, oh yeah, you haven't done Hoi An unless you've done the orphanage. Mm. And I was like, oh, that sounds strange, but maybe this is a backpacking through Southeast Asia thing. Like yeah. I had just never heard of it. So I went along to the orphanage and it was a, an orphanage for children with pretty severe disabilities. And I walked in and it was extremely confronting. You know, I'd never, obviously never seen anything like that. Um, you know, children kind of tied to cots, children laying mm. on the floor, children unable to move, children, you know, malnourished. And there, myself and a bunch of other volunteers were kind of charged with feeding and washing these mm. children. I wasn't checked at all. No identification was required, nothing. And these were severely disabled, nonverbal babies and toddlers and, and young children. And I couldn't quite... I mean, obviously there was a lot of emotion going on for me um, because it was confronting, but I also couldn't quite put my finger on my discomfort mm. as well. Like I, I felt really uncomfortable and I didn't know why, you know, and after I left, I kind of went, oh, I shouldn't have done that. I'm not qualified to do that. I shouldn't have been there. Mm. Um, but also contrasting that with all oh, those poor fucking kids. Like, mm, yeah. and so, so I kind of was left with this feeling, but I didn't have the words or the framework to, to say what was wrong. 
And I kept going and I headed to Cambodia to do my volunteer work, which was teaching English in, in a school that was about 25 kilometers from a place called Siem Reap. And I used to have to ride a bike there and back every day. And my first day I was confronted with uh, a primary school full, the whole school was in my classroom wow. uh, with parents also staring and, you know, and I was like, I'm not a teacher. <laughs> I'm not a teacher. I don't, I have no idea how to do this. I don't know how to lesson plan. I don't know what they've been taught previously. I can't even mm. communicate with them really. Um, and again, just a discomfort of going, what am I doing? Who do mm. I think I am? And uh, I, I kept it up for as long as I could until I just was like, I can't, I can't do this. It feels so wrong. Mm. Um, and I wasn't quite ready to go home, so I started doing some other volunteer, some other volunteer work in a local hospital, just admin kind of stuff. And I got to know that there are a whole bunch of street children and their families living on the street there, and they weren't able to access any programs run by any organisations. Just people didn't want to touch them. And so I kind of went about investigating whether any organization would work with them. And everyone just said, no, we don't want to, we don't, we don't have capacity, blah, 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 blah. And so I connected with a a team that was coming from Canada that was doing volunteerism, medical work. And we ran a street clinic where all the families and children could come and get access to medical care and then be referred to the hospital. Uh, And kind of out of that grew this idea that maybe I could raise money for it. And um, to kind of jump forward a little bit, I ended up setting up a charity when I was 23, um, registered in Australia and Cambodia. And we we were working with street families and their children. And then we expanded and we were working with internally displaced people. And it grew and grew and grew. And I was pretty frantic to be honest young yeah naive had no fucking idea what I was doing uh but I was doing it and look I made a lot of mistakes um you know we we had a thriving volunteer program so I was part of that volunteer industry um you know had 11 staff local staff and running this big program and and eventually we lost all of our funding in the global financial crisis. And it was a really hard time for me. And I, I really struggled. I was burnt out obviously, cause I just had no support and I didn't know what I was doing and living in a, in a country like Cambodia, which has very serious human rights abuses. So there was a, an internal kind of hypervigilance around safety, particularly working on human rights issues. And, uh, ended up coming home to Australia and I was pregnant by that time. And um, I closed down my organization because we lost funding the day before I gave birth to my first child. Talk about a release and a rebirth right now. Like, wow. Yeah. Yeah. And it was a really stressful and, and emotional time. And I, you know, I was letting go of one baby and welcoming another Mm. and, was really hard and I around that time I'd won all these awards as well like for for my work in Cambodia and I I think I internalized this idea that I had to live up to 
to those awards, but here I was with a newborn baby and no organization and not knowing what the hell I was doing with any of it. (laughs) (laughs) And I, I was pretty disillusioned. So I stepped right back from the sector for a long time. And, um, I had this idea that I'd seen so much bad practice and so many misguided donors wanting to start programs and people like myself just setting things up without knowing what the fuck they were doing. Mm. And, and, and I thought we have to do better. There has to be a different way. And that kind of sat in the back of my mind for a really long time. And eventually I had another child pretty quickly. And then I just started slowly doing some consulting work and mainly in the child protection sector internationally. And again, working with clients and seeing bad practice and with donors and volunteers and being like, how are we repeating these problems over and over and over again? And this is actually harming children and communities because we're doing it wrong Mm. and we're not communicating with each other and we're not, we're not really kind of learning from our mistakes. Um, And I talked a little bit about orphanages before I ended up setting up a a international network called rethink orphanages, which um, works to prevent the unnecessary institutionalization of children globally. Um, and, and part of that is looking at volunteerism and how, how those good intentions um, end up actually filling orphanages with children that shouldn't be there. Um, so that's kind of, I've jumped right forward. And, and then I, um, yeah, I, I keep doing my consulting work and I, I keep working with clients and realizing that it's, it's a problem throughout every aspect of the sector is where we're still just doing the same old stuff, which is really rooted in colonial missionary white saviorism mm. bullshit mm. <laughs> that no one's challenging or, or people are challenging, but the masses aren't understanding it. The people that fund all of this stuff aren't yeah. getting it because it's complex. Um, so I set up the podcast to interview people about their work in the doing good space and try to understand why these things happen and, and what the big sticky problems are in this space. Mm. Yeah. It's, it's, I just want to honor you because it's, it's so, you know, you don't understand things until you hear someone explain their, their story, their passion, their understanding, their depth. And I really honor you because I'm listening and everybody who is listening, I'm sure you all listening right now can really hear the experience that you've had, how you've put yourself out there, your heart and soul. And and I'm all about intention, right? And your big intention. But in a space like this that you've been working in, there's it sounds like and I can hear and see that it's way more than just having a good intention because you're dealing with people's lives and governments and people and crooked everything and another country and another culture and, and it's so layered right and 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 I think you're right that this that the media or these organizations um television shows and the ads that we see that get put in front of us really speak to the one part the the it's like it's like 10 D, but we only see the one colored frame of this child with flies and no food and donate here. And this is it. And so it pulls at 
the marketing knows where it pulls. And so I just want to honor you because I'm sure that it's difficult to be controversial about something that is doing good in the world, but it's so deeply important and it's not a controversy or what's that called conspiracy theory. It's like you've lived it and you see it. And if you look into it and obviously Lee's podcast has all of the interviews and we're linking everything below, but you've got research, you've got life experience, lived experience. It's actual, it's an actual thing. Um, and so I just want to honor you because it, it's important. And I see you as a thought leader and someone who has the ability to head this or create people to help head this. And I think that you are definitely making global change and it takes time and it's slower, but I, I just honor you because your work is really important. So I hope that you don't give this up because it's awesome. Thank you so much. That's, yeah, that's really nice to hear because it is a, it is a hard slog. Yeah. Um, and it's funny because, you know, working in the not-for-profit sector, whether you're, you know, running a, an organization or you're um, working for one, it's a hard slog. It's a, it's a scarcity mindset. It's a competitive, not enough money, too much need mm. kind of space. And even though I don't work for a not-for-profit anymore, I work with them. And it is like trying to change behaviors and entrenched kind of ways of thinking and the Black Lives Matter movement that's really brought a lot of this up that we're talking about is mm. this unconscious white saviorism or privilege mm. that comes through in our doing good. And it's confronting for people to think that they might be participating in that system that is, you know, quite repulsive and, you you know, you don't want to think that you're part of that, but actually kind of stepping back and going, why do I want to help? Mm. Like, what is it that's motivating me to want to help? And am I doing it in the best way possible? Yeah. These are the questions that we need to ask ourselves. And sometimes the answers are not what you want to hear. Like mm -hmm. you, you will find that actually, if you really look back and go, was I the right person to go to Nepal and help a woman build her house in a remote village? No. Do you have a building qualification? Would you be allowed on a building site in Australia? Yeah. Like, do you speak the language? Do you understand the root causes culture. of her poverty? Do, yeah. you, do you understand her culture? Do you know that she even wants someone to come and build her house or does she have a greater need? And if you can't answer those questions and, and really kind of look at, examine yourself and your motivations when you get the answers to those questions and, and if your desire to go to Nepal and help trumps that, then you've got a problem. It's so when I was speaking to you the first time and even just listening to some of your episodes and the guests that you have, it's such a... Uh, a paradigm shift physically, like uh, emotionally. And I have, I don't know if I told you this when we spoke, but I have always had this connection to India, always in my heart and soul. I don't know if it's a past life thing or whatever, the music, I feel really connected to the culture in India. I don't know anything about what's right or wrong in that culture. I haven't researched it. I haven't been there because of that. Um, and I always say to my husband, like, I, I, I'm such a strong, fierce bitch that's lived so many things. But I'm fucking emotional as hell. And I I can't even watch 
someone do something in India from just watching it. Like I cry. I just fucking sob. And I know this has kept me away from going to places where children, whether it's real or not, whether these children are being told, because a lot of them in, in Thailand and India, they're, like, they, they're being pimped out basically like pimps right in America, like what they do with women. And, and I just can't, like, I know my heart. I'm like, I can't fucking, I would go to India and just cry at everyone. And they'd be like, you're meant to give me hope and, or you're meant to be here to support and you're fucking crying. Like, I know that I would do damage, like probably more to myself, to be honest, because it's like, I can't emotionally, I feel like I can't even emotionally handle it. So you and what you're doing interests me so much to know for those of you listening that I hear the question and I hear what people are going, but how the fuck do you help? And what do you do? And what if you want to do something? And also with the whole Yemen thing that I didn't know about, because the media is not showcasing child sex trafficking, the media is talking about COVID, Black Lives Matter, COVID part two, like fuck, we're fucking monkeys, aren't we? They just take us and go this way. Now look over here. We're like the cat with the light, right? <laughs> so they're not talking about Yemen or they're not talking about, and this has been happening forever. It's not a new thing, but social media makes it cool. And, and myself going, if I want to help, how do I help? Who do I help? What if like getting, not getting cynical either, because then you're like, oh, they don't give those kids the money. So fuck them. I'm not going to give any money. And then you know what I'm saying? Like, it's like this whole, holy shit. So if you want to help, how can you, and maybe what do you do in your life or how can, well, how do you help your clients work that out? And then the other side is, can, can it be dangerous? Cause then people go, well, fuck it. They're all taking our money and they're not real and not care. Yeah. Yeah, I think you've hit the nail on the head there. I think, you know, there's compassion fatigue. There's yeah. there's so many causes. There's so many things that are wrong in the world right now, mm-hmm. you know, and there are so many causes that need support and are meeting a valid need. Um, and it can be overwhelming, particularly with the messages that I'm putting out there saying you need to do better. You mm-hmm. can't just click, click and think you've done something good you know, and it can be hard to wade through all of that information. And one thing that I I do with clients, whether they're individuals that I'm coaching through this or, or people that are philanthropists independently or through their business is I look at values. So what are your values? What's important to you? Mm. Are they coming through your business? If you're running a business, uh, is that aligned first? Yeah. And then what makes sense for you to align with in terms of a cause? You know, it, it's, I always look at businesses and I go, okay, they work in the, uh, the construction industry. Let's use the example of a construction company yet they're funding, um, what something, an orphanage overseas. So use that example. And I'm like, where's the connection? Where's the alignment? You know, you're working in construction. Okay. That means that you are causing environmental degradation. So you should be giving to environmental causes. You know, Mm. there's lots of ways that you can align what you're doing to almost create an ecosystem of your industry and your sector and supporting that and, and kind of reducing the damage that you do as a business. So there's that from a business perspective, but from a personal perspective, I think we really need to ask ourselves, what do I have to offer? Like, seriously, like, is it 
better for me to spend $5,000 on a volunteer trip to India where I'm not a builder, not a teacher, certainly not qualified to care for children with complex needs and traumatic backgrounds because mm. uh, they don't speak the language or know the culture. Is it better for me to do that or donate $5,000 to an organization that keeps children in families in India and that supports their mothers to access education or employment or training? That's like a game changer. Just that what you said, everybody, that's a game changer. Do you hear like, I can hear how much of a game changer that is. One is for you to go on a holiday and take photos and feel like you did some good in the world and be like, I care, you know, and maybe it's coming from a good place, but really that's true. Self-serving. And the other one is you're not in control. You're letting go of the control and saying I did. And it's the humble, here you go, do what you need to do because you know better. Yeah. Yes. And, you know, trust in, uh, obviously do your research with who you're going to donate that $5,000 yes, sure. to, like don't, whatever you do, don't donate it to an orphanage, yeah. <laughs> but donate it. If you want to support vulnerable children in India, then donate to an organization, like I said, that works to keep children in families and addresses the root causes of poverty mm. so that those kids don't end up in an orphanage so their parents aren't so desperate that they have no other choice than to do this and that's not sexy for a lot of people it doesn't that well they can't instagram it for mm -hmm. one um and they also might not get to go to india but look if you really want to go to india you don't have to give back through volunteering you can just go to india have a great holiday spend your $5,000 in local restaurants, stay at locally owned hotels and guest yeah. houses, like just, in the yeah, in the country, yeah, be a good tourist, like actually, and enjoy yourself and know that actually the most empowering thing that you can do for communities that aren't where we are is spend your money. Like spend money, allow people to earn an income themselves. This handout top down approach mm. is not helpful. Oh man, this is like you're schooling us, Lee. Okay. I love the compassion fatigue idea. And can you just speak to that for anyone who's like, I don't know what that is, or like when you say compassion fatigue? When I say compassion fatigue, I mean like. <sighs> there's so much going on in the world, right? Mm. I mean, COVID is a, a very big and, and present layer right now. And the impact of COVID, really the true impact is yet to come in terms of what it means for vulnerable people and communities globally. Um, and, and that will cause significant issues around, you know, things like meeting the sustainable development goals, which are, you know, these global goals to reduce poverty and improve the environment. Mm -hmm. So th that will be affected, but, you know, remove COVID and you've, you've got Yemen, you've got Syria, you've got this whole orphanages issue, you've got conflict in so many different countries around the world and extreme poverty. Mm. You've got environmental degradation and climate change and, Child sex trafficking. Child sex trafficking and just child sexual abuse 
domestic Foster violence, care, adoption. Yep. It's yep. Fucked. Yeah, like yeah. it's a clusterfuck. Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like we are living in an unprecedented time, and it can be really easy to get overwhelmed by all of that. Mm-hmm. And to particularly if you're, a, you know, somebody that's very empathetic and wants to help and is deeply affected by all of the news that we see around what's going on in the world, it can be really overwhelming. And you can try and you might give 20 bucks a month here and make a hundred dollars over there, or you might try and volunteer and you're not sure if you're doing the right thing or whether it's having any effect. So you just kind of stick your head in the sand and go, Oh, I can't, I don't know how to help. And I think that is dangerous, but also makes sense. Mm. Like there's so much need and there's also so much information and marketing is, as you said earlier, pulling at your heartstrings constantly everywhere you look, you know, and there, a lot of organizations are in this strange competition to have the most emotive image, the one that pulls the hardest. Mm. So there you forward, that's when you see little African babies with flies crawling in their mouth and their eyes, which by the way, is totally unethical Mm. to, to put those images out there. Um, and that's when you, you go, throw my hands up in the air. Like I I can't, I can't, Mm. it's too much. And we don't want that. We want people to keep giving. We want people to keep engaging and, and being part of a global community. Yeah. But it's hard. Yeah. And it sounds like it's like anything you would do, you, you know, it kills me how when women get pregnant, we're researching what we can eat and we're researching the pram and we're researching, you know, the cars we want and, you know, the houses and the neighborhoods. And we literally like set up automatic, you know, alerts when the postcode we want to live in is on fucking auction and all like literally like think about it, you guys listening, how much we research those things we deeply, like you said, care about in our values. And, and then there's a swipe up for you to donate for this thing. And you're like, yep, I care about that. I did, I did some good check the box and it's very egoic and very self, you know, uh, fulfilling of, you know, I, I did this thing. And so, you know, the whole point of having you on the podcast and the work that you're doing is, is not so that you go, Oh, I'm a fucking, you know, egotistical asshole who just wants to make myself feel good for doing good. That's not the point. So if you're feeling that, that's not it, but it is good to touch on the things that we're doing aren't working. You know, the ways that we're getting these messages are marketed to are not working. It's very uncomfortable, but like anything, it sounds like what you're saying is you must research these organizations and research the donations that you're doing. And obviously we're going to put Lee's info. So if you want to reach out to her, um, but people like you need to exist in this work because there are so many people with funds that they want to give. And you're right when they're overwhelmed with what do I do? I don't know. And then they get that compassion fatigue and they just do nothing. It doesn't help. Yeah. And I mean, I, something I always say to particularly people running businesses that are wanting to engage in helping or doing good is put as much effort into this as you do your marketing strategy or your financial strategy you know, this deserves as much consideration, as much thought and research as any other part of your business. Um, You shouldn't silo it or make it this token kind of thing 
that you perhaps do at the end of the financial year. Mm. You want to be integrating this into your life and your business. And, you know, there's that, that question is what do I want to be remembered for? Right. And, and perhaps splitting ourselves between four or five or six different causes is not the most effective way to have an impact. Mm. Perhaps aligning with something that really hits your values and actually investing in it and tracking your in- impact and knowing that the organization that you're supporting is actually genuinely meeting a root cause of something. They're not dealing with the symptom. An orphanage is a symptom of mm. poverty and structural inequality. You know, if we deal with that and address poverty and access to education and access to employment, we stop kids going in orphanages. Mm. And, you know, that, that kind of thing of going, I'm invested in this issue. Yeah. It aligns with me. It speaks to me and I know why and I know how I can make a change. Mm. And it sounds like this thing where we, you, you try to, like the war on drugs, it's like, let's kill drugs. Drugs are bad. It's like, wait a minute, why are people taking drugs? You know, mental health, how are they supported? Postnatal depression, postnatal depression. Okay. Are you supporting mothers? Are they feeling like they have their tribe? So this is the same thing. You're going back to the root cause to start from the top as opposed to take the symptoms and fix the symptoms, which will always come back in another way, right? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And if we, you know, po- poverty is such a a big word, you know, yeah. solving poverty. Poverty is itself a result of structural mm. inequality. It's a result of colonialism. It's a result of capitalism like it's it's a result of an individualistic society versus collective societies and you know these are what we call wicked problems where there isn't actually an answer Mm. you know there there is no clear defined answer to solving poverty nobody's done it yet yeah and it's not you know it's just this term but actually if we look at things that you know cause people to live in poverty if we address those systems and make them more accessible and equal then we start to see changes Mm. is there a company that you could talk to or talk about or an organization that you're like they're fucking doing it well like they're someone that's doing it well that you've seen um talk about I'll, I'll talk about a business and then I'll yeah. talk about a, a not-for-profit okay. um, so a business that I've worked with quite a lot is intrepid travel um, and I came to work with them through rethink orphanages because obviously they're a tourism company um, and they facilitate trips to lots and lots of places they never um, well, they haven't engaged in orphanage volunteerism, but they've certainly in the past done things that would fall under that volunteerism banner where you're kind of going, eh, it's not really helpful. Mm. So I've done a lot of work with them around child protection within tourism and, and kind of ethical community engagement. And I think as a business, out of all the clients I've worked with, particularly in the tourism sector, as a business, Intrepid really has the idea of responsible business in their DNA. You know, I I feel like they, there's a genuine commitment 
internally to doing the right thing in every way. Mm. Um, and yes, they're an enormous business with a huge supply chain and they won't always get it right because just because of their sheer size, but within the culture of the organization, there's a really clear alignment with values and, uh, an alignment with relevant causes and, and trying to address issues that are also created by tourism, you know, Mm there's tourism is a, a, a massive kind of issue in itself. Yeah. But um, for me, they're, they're an example of a really large business, multinational business that actually is genuinely committed to doing good. Um, so, you know, a lot of people aren't into group travel um, and that's fine. But mm. I think for, for an organization like that, they are, they are doing the right thing. Um, and willing to invest in making sure they do it right. Mm. Mm. Um, For a charity, I think it's probably easiest if I continue the theme of orphanages um, and talk about organisations that used to be orphanages and realised that they were part of the problem um, and realised that the majority of the kids living in their orphanages had families um, and, uh, uncovered this issue where these kids had been trafficked essentially, or, Mm. you know, sold or or bought to be part of the orphanage and that they were being abused and mistreated and starved and denied medical care and made to dance and interact with, with tourists so they could get more money. Um, and these two organizations, realized this and completely flipped their model. They completely changed how they work with vulnerable children. Mm -hmm. They reintegrated those kids. They traced their families. Some of them, it took walking through the um, Himalayan mountains for three days to find their families, but they traced their families. They reunited these kids with their families and they continue to do so from other corrupt orphanages. So they help find these kids' families and Mm -hmm. reunite them. Um, And they've developed a completely different way of working with vulnerable families that keeps those kids in the families, even when they're doing it tough, even when it's hard, how do we support those parents to stay there if it's Mm. safe? Um, And those organisations are called Forget Me Not, uh, which operates in Nepal and India and Uganda, I think. And the other one is called the Cambodian Children's Trust and they're obviously in Cambodia. Yeah. Wow. So it's good to hear. So it sounds like with the the organization, the orphanage, they realized. So they had a moment of, oh, shit, we're actually not helping some honest, hard moments and conversations in order to change. And now I think because they've done that, they can probably facilitate and help and see others that were doing possibly the same thing. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And speak out about it and, you know, and help some of those kids that were children and and are now adults to share their story of what really happened when Mm. they were being paraded in front of these tourists. You know, it's, it's funny too, because you said something earlier that like you have to connect with the organization or you have to have, you know, a personal connection or care. Um, I would say like a lived experience sometimes, or, you know, for me, that's where it comes for me, like in my head. 
And this, you know, you know, this crazy thing happened recently here in Melbourne where they locked down the nine towers, the housing towers. Um, for those of you that don't live in Australia, they're, they're housing commission towers that got locked down for COVID and they have, they had no, um, and they didn't tell them in advance where they've been giving Australians tomorrow at midnight, we're going to lock down so people go crazy and do all the things they got to do. Right. And although it sucks to be locked down, at least they gave us some time. And I was extremely triggered. Um, and my husband <laughs> is like, honey, calm down. You had surgery. You've been like, I've been riding all of the fucking activist things be and, 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 me and Lee are going to talk because I, I do need, and we've talked about this before, we haven't had a chance to do it, but I do need help on making sure I align with the right things and I do it in the right way. Because I have this nine-year-old self with sexual abuse story that is an activist, and that's when my outspoken justice person was born, right? I want to make sure that I'm not doing bad for the good that I want to do. But this this towers thing really triggered me. And I remember I saw it on Instagram. So again, I don't know what's true. I'm watching this on social media, which we have to question. You don't fucking know, right? So I'm watching this thing and I'm getting really upset. And I chose not to do a video because I was in no shape or form <laughs> right to do a video, which would have been emotionally charged and done bad. And... I, I noticed my brother-in-law, this was when we weren't locked down so we could be at our parents' house. I noticed my brother-in-law go, oh yeah, and look down and kept scrolling. Now he's a brown Sri Lankan kid who got made fun of by the color of his skin in Australia. I haven't made, been made fun of from the color of my skin. So he wasn't really triggered by this. He was like, it's not right, but he kept doing whatever he was doing. And I was fully like fucked. I was bawling my eyes out and just like, rage like this is not right what can I do and we had a fucking discussion Lee that was I don't think many families or friend groups are willing to have it was a discussion of me putting my emotions down and listening to where they were coming from and my husband comes from you actually don't know you don't know what the government had to do you don't know this and that that could be this and I was getting so enraged but also watching myself getting enraged at something I don't know. And I guess why I'm sharing this story is because I decided to do what I knew I could do was share it on my Instagram where I have a lot of followers. I have a lot of white Australian follower women who I feel could go and donate food to this organization that ended up, you know, literally taking the stand for it. And here's what happened. One day, everybody shared, I went and donated whatever, and it was the most humbling experience. I'm buying all this shit with my kid. It was a bad idea to have the kid. Anyway, I'm buying all this shit. I get to the place, and I'm like, I'm not going to lie. In my heart, I'm like, I'm a good human. Yeah, but all this shit. I swear to God, this man came out. I didn't have a mask on, which was stupid, but anyways. Um, I came out. I'm like, here's the things. He comes and takes all the stuff, and I leave. And it was like... I don't even know if they said thank you, which they don't need to, but my bullshit human egoic self, which I work on, but I still have, all of us do, was like, oh, okay, there's no fucking parade for Erica who comes, but you know what I'm saying? Like, it was beautiful. I was like, wow, like, wow, this is great. You know, here I am, blah, 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 all these things, whoever cares how much money it was or whatever it was, close the door and leave. And then starting to watch people on social media, donate to them, help them and thinking again, fuck, they're Muslim. What do they eat? They don't eat this. Do they eat that? But we don't think about that, right? I'm not Muslim, so I don't know. And then seeing 
that they had an over uh, too much donations. And I go, I understood what you like that moment. I'm like, Lee, oh, you came into my head. You did. I was like, this is now it's good, but here's our problem. We got too much stuff. We don't have enough people and they're nine towers. Do we get to a point where there's too much stuff? Now, where the fuck does all that stuff go to the bin, to the tip? Like they're a small organization that's under the pump and they actually needed some Muslim volunteers to understand, to go to the building and speak and get the halal meat and all that. So it was just such a, so if you're in Melbourne or if you've seen this story, it's such a great example of what you talked about. And I just, you came into my head. I was like, fuck. And I don't know. I don't know why they decided to do what they did. I could think it was wrong and racist or whatever. But I realized talking to my brother-in-law and my husband that I had, I was from housing commission. So that fucking hit me in the guts and I gave a shit about it. My friend shared about transgender lives and what Donald Trump did in America. And I cared, but I didn't go crazy, hardcore sharing. I did for Black Lives Matter. I did for this. So it's like you have to know what you care about internally. And it's not that you're an asshole and you don't care about pride, but it's is that from your own lived body experience? Yes. And I think that's a really, really good point is, you know, in giving, we talk about head versus heart, you know, mm-hmm. and and the vast majority of giving is heart. You know, something has been ignited in us Mm. that, as you said, prompts that little nine-year-old activist to (laughs) just turn up and show up and be as fierce as possible about it. And, you know, that resonates with a lot of people. And that is when heart alone gets us into trouble. Mm -hmm. We need to bring head in as well. We need to actually be able to, as you said and described talking to your brother-in-law, step out of our own experience of it and realise, yeah, (laughs) and realise this is not us. This is not about us. Mm -hmm. And, yes, use that fire to do good, but bring the head in, you know, put as much value on, on what your head has to say and, and get into your logical, rational brain and do some research mm. and make sure that you're not doing something that might have the potential to cause more harm later. And I mean, talking about the, the towers, the issue with the towers, it was so chaotic. You know, the information coming out was so chaotic and it was so contradictory. The government saying one thing, but the residents of the towers and the organization is saying completely different mm-hmm. things. Accusations of racism, you know, things that are really inflammatory mm-hmm. and really grounded, in fact. Like the, the response was pretty weird in terms of how they handled that. Um, but I think, you know, people's immediate response is to go, that is not cool. That is not cool. And I'm going to go help. How can I help? What can I do? And there's an urgency to it because media is also playing up the urgency to it Mm -hmm. and and social media. And and I think we see that in disasters. Like we look at the bushfires, for example, or any natural disaster overseas is, you know, you will see truckloads of donations turn up and the resources required to sort through half of which are rubbish, you know, people's undies mm. and people's clothes that won't fit or inappropriate or whatever. Yeah. 
and, and the resources required to manage that actually divert those resources from doing the work needed to support people in the moment, human to human support. Um, we see that with every disaster we see, I mean, oh, we got sent, uh, when I lived in Cambodia as running my organization, we got sent a, like a big box of secondhand clothes unsolicited, you know, it was just, just turned up one day wow. and I opened it and you know, these are like size 16, 18, 20 women's clothes. In Cambodia, like I don't think I've ever seen a woman over kind of a size 12, 14. Wow. Like, and be, like clothes, winter clothes, winter jackets, furry winter jackets in the tropics, you know, That's those cool. kind of things. Like <laughs> people just go, ah, oh, it's good. It's good. I'm helping. But there's no actual thought for what it means on the other side. And that's where we need to become more aware. Oh, this is so important. It's, I'm just thinking about all the things about how the stories of what people do and why they do what they do and they don't think about why they do and they just do it. And it's like, and I think something that you touched on is really important that when we are charged with emotion and it's, it is fast paced and I definitely will say that that interaction that happened with the towers, I fully, as a mother, which you are as well, I went into fuck my baby has no nappies or doesn't have formula or doesn't have. And I just, I, I just lost it. And that's why I knew I was like, don't get on stories because you will not be logical. Um, you know, and for those of you that listen to the podcast a lot, you know, I say when your emotions are high, your intelligence, your intellect, your ability to think rationally and critical thinking, like you said, is very low. So you make the wrong decision and it's like, can you sleep on it? And I keep getting this message this year during COVID, especially hitting me with, listen, Erica, you alone are not going to change the world. Hey, don't think you're that important where you're, you're the one that's going to change the world. You know, it doesn't mean I don't need to give a fuck and still try to serve as many women as possible. But that belief, that martyrdom, that, that compassion fatigue, that I have to do it or else it will not get done. Like, we can let that go because it's actually doing the opposite. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and being able to even recognize that is like step one, you know, like yeah. being able to go, Hey, I like, I have a role to play. We all have a role to play, you know, but, but being a bit humble about that as well. And, and mm. going, I work in my space, you know, and we all have a space that we work in and, and hopefully thrive in and, and are enjoying. And that might not necessarily be something that is actively helping mm. others in that, you know, like, or, or is, is part of the charity or not for profit or philanthropic sector. And that's okay. Like, mm. You know, you're in your space and you can do good within your space. You don't have to go, I'm going to go and change the world. Yeah, exactly. And I think you're right because that is a lot of egoic and, and, and uh, what's the word called when you feel bad? Like you feel like you should, I should do like the guilt or that guilt privilege, that privilege for, or the guilt for your privilege. And then you got to do something. And, you know, I, I think you've really hit the nail on the head for those listening. Like 
you know, hopefully you're getting that it's going through your values, going through your personal lived experiences, the things that personally, you know, you hear the people that create the best businesses or the best products or the best services are usually people who've experienced the lack or they built it for them or they, I didn't have Spanx, so I made Spanx. It's like, yeah, girl, you know, like these little businesses that that get created that become huge. It's, it's never from, how do I make a lot of money? And this is a good product. It's, there's usually a beautiful heartfelt story. So, so for people that are listening and they want to know how, like, what are you up to? Where, where are you at now? Like, what's your next thing that you're doing? Or what are you working on now that people can either support you or get involved besides your amazing podcasts? Um, well, I, I guess on a few levels, um, obviously listen to the podcast if you're, if yes. you're interested in this stuff, cause there's some really amazing people from, you know, we had Clementine Ford, Australian feminist on last week, we've had philosopher Peter Singer, like we've had Erica on, we've had lots and lots of really diverse people talking about this kind of issue from their angle. And I think that's kind of a good starting point, mm. um, I, through my company, which is called Alto Global Consulting, I work with um, businesses, not-for-profits and philanthropic foundations around doing better at doing good. So kind of how do we, if you're already trying to do good or you want to do good, how can we improve that? Um, And then I do this, what I called earlier, social purpose coaching. So working with uh, individuals uh, or small business owners even or high net worth individuals, people that are wanting to engage in doing good but are just a little bit unsure of Mm. how to do it right or, you know, are feeling what we talked about before, compassion fatigue and how do I go about this? I don't want to make a mistake, but I definitely want to do something and it's all a bit confusing. So I I work with people on a coaching basis to help them unpack that. Um, And also I help with things like identifying ethical causes that are aligned, Um, Mm. you know, setting up impact measurement to make sure that you can actually say, Hey, this is my thing that I've aligned with. And this is what I've, what I've done. This is what I've created through supporting that. And it's important too, because you're, if you have a company or a business and you're trying to hire staff, you would go sit with your team and your numbers or your accountant and say, you know, at least I did like, are you sure I can hire someone? Like, are you sure I'm not going to have to sack them and I can afford to have this, this person. And, you know, hence why I want to speak to you because it, it is this, you know, you step carefully and lightly and making sure that you're not over committing to something because your heart is pulling you or because the guilt of your having making money and not doing this or that. And I love that you give permission for people like to go to India and go to the ashram if that's what you want to do or go to the trip in Fiji and not end up walking into their village with your Australianness and doing the wrong thing, you know, because it's, I'm sure you have a lot of stories and they probably piss you off or, you know, you're like, ah, oh, come on, you know, because it isn't common knowledge. Um, and so I honor you for still continuing to do this work despite the frustration that you may see um and despite how you know I can I feel like that about the coaching industry don't worry I'm like ah but then I'm like nope 
be the change. Like you be the loud change so that that gets quieter and, 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 and do this. And so I'm really, it's my honor to have you here sharing this because I know that all of my amazing listeners who do listen, who are predominantly women or anybody identifying as a woman have a heart and they want to do some good. And they, and they now after hearing from you, have so many things of not to do, but also how to tangibly go seek the organization. It doesn't have to be organizations. It could be the shun one <laughs> that really speaks to you. Um, yeah, oh God, this is last question. How do you feel uh, social media has affected this? Because obviously there's celebrities that raise a lot of money for things and Australian especially and things and obviously they want to do good but it doesn't happen um yeah how do you feel social media impacts this yeah look the celebrity issue is one that I could talk about a lot but I'll <laughs> keep it brief <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, so a friend of mine actually said to me the other day look I really think that Angelina Jolie has single-handedly created the orphanage industry <laughs> and I was like oh we should unpack that yeah that'd be a good episode. um but you know I think celebrity we have a culture and you in Australia there is a it's quite strong of hero worshipping so mm. you know as a 23 year old white young woman that went to Cambodia and set up an organization I had a whole bunch of media articles around me going look at her look at the sacrifice mm. she's mm. made no one asked me whether I was qualified to do it. No one asked me whether I was coping. No, no one, like it, there was nothing about my right to do this. It was all this hero worshiping, which yeah. in turn encourages other people to do that. Yeah. Other young people to do that. I got, you know, Victorian young Australian of the year award. And I got these other wow. ri like ridiculously named awards that were simply for this young 23-year-old going to Cambodia and, and doing something. And I think we see that a lot in Australia, uh, in the media. And media has a big role to play in, in changing how we do this. But celebrity, it, it's the same thing. It's Ed Sheeran going to African countries and surrounding himself with little African kids and, you know, taking a selfie Mm. And everyone goes, I want to do that because Ed Sheeran did it, yeah. you know, and, and Angelina Jolie adopting all these kids from orphanages when they have parents and it's common knowledge that they have parents. Yeah. And that makes other people go, oh, I, I, I want to do that. She did it. I idolize her. And mm. I think that plays through to social media. Um, I, I did an episode actually where I interviewed an American woman who had adopted a little girl from Uganda and realized uh, the little girl spoke to her and said, I, I don't think my mum meant to adopt me out. And the adoptive mother went, whoa, what? Yeah. And she actually returned her child to yeah. her mother in Uganda. Um, oh. So if you want to listen to that episode, it's heartbreaking and amazing. What is it, what is it called? So we can. Um, Jessica Davis. Jessica Davis. Um, so it's, it's kind of late in season one of my podcast, but it's, it's fascinating because, you know, international adoption is really popular in the U.S. Um, and oh, it's perpetuated yes. by celebrities. Mm -hmm. 
I mean, it's a, it's a whole nother issue itself. It really is. And my whole foster care background, I was speaking to someone here from Change.org and they, what they were sharing and they were adopted. And, and I was just thinking like, I, they tried to adopt me when I was in the foster home because it was too long in a foster home. And I'm like, I have a mom who literally comes here every week medicated but she comes here for me and wants me and she oh she's my hero because she fought for me and now as a mother I just like it makes me want to cry thinking about imagining if they didn't listen to her because she was air quotes crazy but a mother note like you know your heart like I don't care if you don't have them like we don't need fucking big houses and nice cars we need the nurture and the love you know so yeah well I'm gonna make sure you listen to that episode everybody please we're gonna link it in the show notes yeah. So yes, in answer, I think to your question, media, social media, and celebrity have a massive role in perpetuating negative practices around helping vulnerable children mm. and, and doing good. And I, I think, you know, I'd love to be working with some of those celebrities to actually yeah. change the narrative that they're putting out there because they, they have a responsibility. Well, maybe you will because you're a manifesting generator with me over here. Let's get you speaking to these to these people because they they clearly have a good intention, but have no idea how it can be impacting. So they they need it. I think celebrities bless their hearts. They need me. They need you. They need life coaches. They need all the you know, especially because of where they are in the world. That every, everything you do is awesome. You're amazing, and yes, 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 yes. <laughs> it should be like. Fuck no. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. New, new, new thing we're going to do. Okay. If anybody knows some celebs, hit us up, message me and Lee. Um, and please, if you're listening to this, tag us because we would love for you to listen and, and tell us what you got from this episode. It may be triggering. It may have been like, I'm uncomfortable in my tummy. Oh shit. I thought I was doing, uh, this is not about shaming and blaming you. I know Lee's not about that. And even when me and Lee speak about what I need to do with the queen of confidence and how we want to help, I'm sure she's going to lovingly bitch slap me into some shit that we've done wrong or whatever. And I'm willing to hear it because I want to do better and we want to do better. That's the whole point is that if we fuck it up, get back up and fix it up and, and learn from your, from your fall down and learn from how that didn't work so well. And I, and I honor you for that too, because you don't shame people into it. You're not aggressive and, and full on about it. You're lovely. She's lovely as hell. Um, and, and you're just, I'm so blessed that Brianna introduced me to you and that we got to meet. We both share the same podcast team. Uh, and, and Brianna loves you. She's like, I love her. She's just so amazing. She has the most interesting people on the podcast and holy shit, I didn't know about any of this. And, you know, she obviously does also Tim Ballard's from, you know, the child sex trafficking. So she gets to hear all these amazing things. And for us to be able to come together and connect, I'm, I'm grateful to you, Brianna, who's editing this <laughs> right now. We love you. Um, I would love to have you back on if you are willing to speak to child sex trafficking, because I think that that is, I haven't talked about it on my podcast, but I've, I've, I've talked and dabbled on my Instagram. There's so many things we want to talk about, right? But it's a, it's a, it's a big one for me. And I don't know if it's the strings of my sexual abuse or the motherhood or all of it. Um, yeah, I would love to have you back on if you if you if you're down to talk about that. Definitely down. I've worked in international child protection and child Oh my god. Okay. We're going to book it right now. <laughs> We're going to book it in. 
Oh, um, and lastly, I, I, I know I've said I honor you, but I really do because what I can see when I look at you or when I, when I listen to you is this, your strength and your desire to keep going. And I can imagine that the work you've already done in your own life personally, never mind becoming a mother. Never mind that journey. Never mind interviewing stories that aren't your own, but that you get to witness through hearing them and extracting the stories you've extracted. You know, you are still here doing this work and it can be exhausting. And I'm sure you've been, it has bogged you down at some point in time, but you've rested and you've stopped. And I just honor you for, for, for stopping and resting, but, but getting back up and, and coming back to it because it's not useful for us to get bogged down by this and do nothing. Um, so I, I just honor you because we need you. I haven't met anybody that does what you do in my life. So, yeah. Wow, thank you. That's ah, made me a bit teary. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you. And I honor you. I remember before we were connected, listening to your podcast and just going, oh, my fucking God. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, and talking to my friend who, who put me onto it, mm-hmm. uh, who I mentioned in, in our recording when you were on my podcast and, you know, we still, we talk so much about your work and how it's changed us and, and how important it was at really difficult times in our life. So I honor you for being you. Thank you. And you made me cry on yours. So I'm glad and I'm, I'm teary here too, because I just, it's important what you do, like, fuck, it's important. And it's, and it is changing the world and in the best way possible. So thank you. I love you. We'll see you soon when we do our exciting episode on a really difficult topic that needs to be talked about. So thank you so much, Lee. My darling, we are in wild times right now. And in order for you to manage your mind and boost your immunity and be level headed instead of panic, I want to invite you to consider online training to consider joining a community a sistership where you are going to be held where you're going to be supported where you have a safe space to unravel and with all this time at home you can actually better your life and work on yourself good news as well i have now done a 12-month payment plan for the online sisterhood so many women right now are experiencing trouble with their finances losing their jobs being single mothers not knowing when their next money or paycheck is going to come from and we are navigating that with our current sisterhood members we are working with every woman that we can in order to support them in these tough times and i hear you out there saying i'd love to join the sisterhood but i can't afford it i can't afford six payments So what I've done is made it a year-long program. It's a year-long program with a year-long payment plan. I really, really want you to consider if this is the time for you to join the sisterhood and work on yourself. It is available to you now. Let's do the damn thing. Thank you so much for listening. I so appreciate your ears, your time, your energy, and your attention. Please do me a favor and head over to Apple iTunes, subscribe so that you don't miss an episode, share this episode with a sister who you know needs to hear it, and if you feel called to, leave me a review. I'd love to know what you think about the podcast. I'd love to know how this information is helping you change your world. Thank you so much for being here. I know that there are many podcasts you could listen to, and I really appreciate you listening to mine. Have a gorgeous week, honey.